Welcome to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran Kumar, founder and host of You're Not Invisible After 50. Despite the title, you don't have to be over 50 to listen to this podcast. No matter whether you're 25, 45 or 65, we can all learn lessons from each other to help us build a better, more fulfilled life. Come listen to the inspiring stories of all the phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. They are not invisible. I'm not invisible and neither are you. So no matter what society says, life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. Welcome to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran and host of this podcast. We're all about showcasing for normal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. You'll get to hear all the inspiring stories why you don't have to be invisible after 50. So sit back and enjoy the wonderful life story from this week's guest. My guest today is Lauren Taslitz. Hi, Lauren. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm so excited about this and thank you for choosing to be on the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I am so looking forward to the conversation. So (laughs) I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to our listeners in one line or more, who you are and what you do. I am a musical theatre librettist and lyricist who is also a partner, a mom, a daughter, a sister, a grandmother, and a friend, and all of those relationships inform all of my work. Oh, so exciting. And what a beautiful introduction, I'd say. So we're going to find out a little bit more about you. Well, a lot more about you as we move through the podcast. So in this podcast, we're going to cover your life story, the past, the present. If there was a trigger point at 50, may have been sooner, maybe around that mark, and what the future Mm -hmm. looks like. And then we end with the the, the bonuses, the tips. So let's Mm -hmm. begin wherever you want to start in the past? The trigger point for me at 50, which is really not where I'm going to start, but is when I was 50 was about when my youngest child left for college. And I felt a sense of urgency, I think because I felt sort of imprisoned until then. (laughs) Um, I had begun writing for community theater maybe 10 years earlier. And when I was in my mid fifties, I had been writing full-time seriously for a while and had written two full-length musicals, taken all of these classes, everything I could take in Chicago where I lived and um, had kind of hit a wall. And I loved what I was doing and I wanted to keep doing it, but there was no reason for me to think that I would find any more success if I didn't change something. And so one hot July day, like I said, in my mid fifties at around five o'clock in the afternoon, when I thought no one would answer the phone, I called the only MFA program, master's program in musical theater writing in the country, which was in New York, assuming no one would answer the phone. And um, somebody answered the phone and I said, "Um, I know it's kind of late 
but I'm wondering if I could possibly start in August. Normally I wouldn't ask, but I'm kind of old and I don't think I should put this off any longer. And he said, will you hold, please let me check. And he came back a minute later and said, actually you could start, send your stuff. And then I got in and I didn't know what to do because I lived in Chicago with my husband and I had an 80 year old mother and two of my three children. I mean, my whole life and going to New York was gonna be gone full time for two years. Um, and so I was torn and I uh, called an astrologist because I didn't know what to do, who said, your marching orders are clear. Oh, the other part of the story, which I told you, which I forgot to say was when I got in, I of course asked all of my friends who all said, of course you should go. Not that any of them would have gone, but they thought I should go. And then I asked my children who all said, mom, you should totally go. And then I told my mother who said, how can you leave your husband? And then my mother immediately called all of my children who called me to say, how can you leave dad? But then my husband said, of course you should go. You've spent the last 25 years putting everyone else first. Um, so anyway, I went and I was in school with all of these people that were the same age as my kids. And I remember about a year in one of my teachers who became a friend and mentor saying, you've changed your life. And thinking, no, I haven't. Like, this is going to end and I'm going to go home. And it turned out he was right. I had changed my life. Oh, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But can I just slightly step back? So that was an exciting point because, we, you know, when you're not invisible after 50. You actually made this life change at 50. But what led, to, led you to doing that? What came before then? Before the 50 mark was, it was... I mean, it was very atypical for a musical theater writer, but it was, and what makes it atypical for a musical theater writer is that in some ways it was so typical. I mean, I had gone to law school. I was a lawyer. I practiced law for a while, but there was no way for me to practice law in a way that was interesting and challenging that would allow me to be present for my children. Mm -hmm. And so I did other things except that I wound up writing without ever planning to when I was about 40, when my kids started middle school, because there's a, the only middle school fundraiser was a show that parents wrote and directed and performed in. And I thought, ah, oh, that could be fun. And so I started writing for this middle school show with zero plans of it being anything more than that and found I really was having fun doing that. And then I started writing for a much more sophisticated, raunchier show where there was a lot more talent in the room. And then I wound up eventually <clears throat> taking every class there was you to take in Chicago about musical theater writing and lyric writing. And I started taking sketch writing at the Second City in Chicago. And I started taking improv classes. I mean, in one, I wound up writing two full-length musicals with the second with a sort of award-winning, excellent composer who's based in New York. Um, I mean, writing and putting on these and making theater sort of had become my whole life and I I loved it. But after that second full-length musical with, a, like I said, an established and sort of award-winning composer, which happened to be about 
what I was going through at the time and all my friends were going through, which was saying goodbye to your youngest child and the all of everything that that entails, right, in terms of grief and walking past empty bedrooms and maybe worrying about that kid and what your partner's expectations are, like they think you're going to pay attention to them, but that's not your plan. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. And that, which is such a huge thing for so many people, especially women, it didn't resonate. It just didn't resonate with the with a lot of the theater makers because most of them have not had this typical life experience, right? So anyway, so my life had become the writing. I mean, I remember um, running into someone. I was working on this Empty Nester show and my head, I mean, like in my head, my, um, my company was the characters in the show, right? That was who I lived with. And I remember running into someone who said, oh, you must be so busy. <laughs> I remember saying, oh, yeah, I am. I've tried to figure out this problem. And then I realized that she meant it was because, like, my daughter was getting married in three or four days. That was, like, the furthest thing from my mind. It was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be thinking about. <laughs> you know? and, I, and it's just not where I, who I was anymore, where I was living. <laughs> you were, that was in your head. I mean, terms it it's obvious, Lauren, that, you know, your passion was your writing. You know, that's where the passion, you found it quite early in terms of in your 40s or maybe earlier than that. And the thing was, I, I mean, and I say this to people all the time, it was never a plan. Like when I started writing for that middle school show, I didn't know I was going to write for the next one. And then I didn't know I was going to want to write full time. I thought I wanted to produce. I mean, I just had no idea what I would want next, what would be available next. I, you know, it was, everything was just presented sort of in the moment. And even, even calling NYU was kind of a whim and I didn't think he'd answer the phone, right? And well, that's if he really... hadn't, I don't know that I would have called again. Well, sometimes you don't know where you're going. Sometimes things just happen to you. Some well, and, and it's it's the universe giving those opportunities, you know, that presents itself to you. So what's interesting is that at once you've completed the course, what happened then? Well, what what went on from there? Well, well, the funny thing is, you know, I had all of this guilt about leaving for two years. And I really hadn't thought beyond that. And what happened was I never really came back home in some ways because I, you know, I love, I, I love those two years. I, all of my collaborators and my mentors and my community, they were all in New York and I was in the middle of things. And um, I mean, it would have been pointless and dumb to just walk away <laughs> doing what I was doing. And um I mean, in some, so when the spring of my second year, one of my mentors, this guy named William Finn, who in the musical theater world is well known, he wrote Falsettos and 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, A New Brain. Anyway, he, um, he asked me and my primary collaborator to write a show for his cabaret space to be done that summer in August. And my primary collaborator, uh, this guy, Danny Orsetti, who's the com a composer. Um, he was going to be working for him that summer in Massachusetts. And since we were writing this thing, I spent 
the better part of that summer in Massachusetts in Finn's house writing the show that was called Regretting Almost Everything. And that was in 2017. And um, now, however many years later, I mean, Danny and I have written three other full-length shows and I've written other full-length shows with other people and had residencies and just like all of these amazing things, right? And um, and now in March, Danny, Danny and I released an album. Here it is. Can you see my CD? Mm -hmm. I can. Um, we decided to record Regretting Almost Everything, which had turned into a two-person musical with Broadway stars, Beth Level and Jeff Blumenkrantz. It's a concept album, which means it has not yet been produced. But it's the story. I mean, it, it sort of dovetails perfectly with this because it's a story of a 50-year-old woman who loves her husband and likes her job but realizes that she may have another 30 years ahead of her and that she needs more, that she needs more passion in her marriage and more fulfillment in her life. And she sets out on a quest to get it, you know, and in my case, it was leaving right to go to New York to write musicals. In her case, it's because she needs more passion in the bedroom. Sorry, Lauren. Um, I just think that what you're saying and what this album is about would resonate with so many women in our age group, right? For one right. thing or another, it would right. resonate, resonates with me, it resonated with you, as you know, and it would resonate with so many other women as well. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny because recently I've been thinking about, you know, people always say, what's it about? And so you can answer by giving them plot. Um, or I can say it the way I just said it to you. Or if I'm trying to appeal to a broader base, because I think it does, I can say it's about love, sex, and kids, because it is. You know, but most recently, I just realized it's kind of transgressive in this, because what happens is, I mean, one way to say what the show is, it's about a middle-aged woman who leaves her marriage for better sex, and she gets it, and she isn't punished for that by the universe. And in fact, both she and her ex-husband wind up finding new love and being best friends. I'm like, oh my God, that would never happen in our world, right? That you could leave for better sex and not be punished. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's how you do something. And I always believe in karma. And I think right. at the end of the day, I think one also realizes that, say for example, a marriage has come to an end, a natural end then people realize that they they want to move on. But also equally, women might actually realize they can't give any more or a man can't won't realize, will realize that he can't give any more to the marriage and both right. come to this kind of stalemate where they think this is it. We, we, we can't be anything else now to each other. So right. is that right or wrong? The story, what you're saying would resonate with so many women because women redefine themselves at that age. You know, they, they realize, okay, what's my marriage about? What's my life about? Where do I want to go? How many years do I have left? Right, How am I going right. to fill those years, et cetera? Right, right. Yeah. right. That is, I think, what it ultimately is about. You know, you do wake up and think, oh, I don't have forever. Mm -hmm. what, do, what do I what do I want to do with my time? 
right? And especially if you're, once your kids are not, a, don't take up your day to day, you know, for those of us that have them, you know, you, you don't want to waste it. You yeah. don't want to waste it. And also, I think, you know, the part of this podcast is even, you know, you don't have to leave your marriage. You know, the fact is you have to reinvent yourself in your marriage or in any other relationship or whatever, because that allows you to grow. And I think it's about allowing yourself to grow because everything, life is about change. Everything right. changes right. all the time. Right. So right. I think that's really interesting. I am you know, right. but my husband just gives, my, I'm married, but my husband gives me the space because he knows it's important to me, you know, that I need it, that I need it. And I think that's really important because if you have that mutual understanding, then right. you know that you both are going to grow in that space. So that's healthy as well. So I think, you know, there's all different ways of making this work, whether you're in a relationship or outside a relationship. So right. where does this lead you to now? Um, well, in some ways, like I said, it, it led to making this album, which, you know, it was pretty much everything I've done, even within the context of the musical theater writing is something I probably haven't done before or much of it, or it's with people I don't know. It's always a surprise, which is great. I had, So making this album, I had zero idea what I was getting into. Um, but I, I mean, it was so much, if I, it's one of those things where, you know, if you had known, you would have said, no way, I'm not doing that. It's too much. Um, but like everything you wind up doing, it's, it's fantastic that you did it. Right. And I loved every single minute of it. I mean, part of the goal of this album for me was simply legacy. I mean, I've been writing for 20 some odd years and when I die, I wanted something to exist in the world, right? That was sort of to come, just that, because I'd done all this. Um, but the other goal of the album was to create awareness of this two-person, easily producible musical, because we would like it to be produced and we would like it to be licensed. And then we would like small checks to come to <laughs> us forever. My collaborator is a much younger person and he's incredibly talented. He's an amazing composer and orchestrator and arranger. And it's also a way for somebody to hear this and say, oh my God, who orchestrated this? Who arranged this? This is beautiful. I want that guy, you know, to just make ourselves known and what we do know. Um, so anyway, so, so what we're doing now is continuing to sort of market and send out a pitch deck and try to, you know, continue to create awareness in hopes that those things will happen, right? Productions and licensing. And then the other thing is I'm working on a new show, which came my way with a new collaborator, which is very exciting to me. Um, and I am very grateful to have it because what I like doing is writing, not marketing and sending out pitch decks and uh, it was great that after the album was released, you know, it's streaming everywhere, which was officially March 14th, I felt very lucky to have a new creative project <clears throat> that I could be excited about and throw myself into. So like when I wake up, I do that first. And then 
I move on to the logistics of life and marketing. I mean, and when I went to school, I don't know how much time we have, but when I went to school, I remember a day where we all stood in a circle during orientation and we had to we had to identify ourselves. You know, and people were saying, I'm a composer, I'm a lyricist, I'm a writer, I'm an artist. And I was just standing there thinking, I'm a mom. I don't know if I could say those other <laughs> those other words. It was not how I identified. But then again, all of those people, right, my classmates, with one exception. They were all just children, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I was a mom and a partner and I was a daughter of an old, I mean, it just was, I, they were just, I, I was so defined by my relationships and still am. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it helps you understand. I think relationships actually are the basis of every good story, anything I want to hear. Um, <clears throat> so it's good to understand all of those things, but but now if somebody says, who are you? I say, I'm an artist and I'm a writer and it sustains me and it grounds me. And if I don't wake up and have something to work on, I feel awful. <laughs> like it loose ends in a bad way. I need it. <laughs> I think we do. You know, I think, you know, I, I'm a mother. I you know I was a wife, you know, but you also need to grow as a person yourself right and right. post those relationships or you know around the outside those relationships because right. then you satisfy your own soul and your own need yeah. and I think yeah. that's really important because you have to you know you have to give growth to your to yourself in terms of the person you are and the person you want to be seen by other people like as you were saying Lauren you could then you can now say who you are you can define who you are outside yeah. of being a mother a, a partner you know a wife etc etc you can actually define yourself in your own right it's something that you've created for yourself yeah and it took a long time and and I have to say like my family and friends respect it like my husband I wake up very early I come into my office I shut the door he knows better than to say hello to me and you know and and, um, you know, when I say I'm working, nobody expects me not to work. My children call now and they say, where are you? <laughs> because they don't know if I'm here in New York. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's, it kind of has to be that way for me now, you know. But also it keeps you happy because if you're happy yeah. then everybody around you is happy too because you know they know that you're getting what you need and you can then give the best of yourself to somebody else as well if you're unhappy because you haven't got your meet needs met then you're going to be a one miserable person right and you're not gonna make anybody else yeah. happy no no it was tough all those years where I didn't have that whatever the thing was because I made a decision to organize my life around being available to my children, you know, before and after school. And, uh, you know, there it was, the decision was what's the most important thing. And, and at that point I thought it was peace of mind. And that was, I thought what would give me peace of mind. Um, and I chose that, but now, now I, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> now I can have peace of mind and do what I want to do. For what I Absolutely. need to do. Fantastic, fantastic. So we talked a bit about the present. So we and what about the future? So what does the future look like? Have you got any thoughts about you've got this new project that you're doing at the moment and you're back in writing? But is there anything else about 
what you would like to do or any plans? No, no I actually love not knowing. And I don't like making, but I, I don't like making plans. I think it's foolish to make plans because there's just too many variables. It just, seems like a, it just seems like a waste of time. You know, right now, I mean, this is just a weird thing, but my son and his fiance are talking about like wanting to move into my house with me and my husband. And I'm like, that's cool. And my other kids are, are like, wait a second, that's not fair. I do not take any of it seriously. Mm -hmm. until somebody says I'm coming tomorrow. And it's the same way with theater. I mean, I will, I don't know who I'll meet. I mean, I will send, I might send things to a thousand people. I expect to hear from none of them because mm -hmm. if anybody cares, it's probably going to be some guy I literally run into on the street and drop it. You know, you know, it's just, it's pointless to plan. Nothing works that way. But the flip side is, you're sort of available to do what does show up because you're not mm -hmm. chasing something that's unlikely to happen anyway. Um, I I like not knowing. I think I that's like a good knowing. good kind of um, philosophy because you know, in terms of law attraction, is you know, don't ex don't kind of think about how something's going to come to you. Just want something and then let it come appear in its own way. And I think you know, recently I've been kind of reading up about law of attraction and, and vibrations and affirmations. And I just think, yeah, all right, let everything just happen in its own way. And it will drop in your lap when the timing is right. And let's not chase right. anything because you then push right. it away slightly. Yeah. So I can understand what you're saying. And let's move on to the um, bonus part of the, the podcast. So what are the five tips that um, you would have for somebody who's under 50? Um, it's so funny because when you asked me to think of this, I thought I have zero tips. And then by the time I was done thinking about it, I had like a hundred. But <laughs> so, so here's the first one. And this one's from my father, which is don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Mm -hmm. um, the second one would be know yourself and I think the hard part is accept yourself forgive yourself for being someone you are not you might think you should be a better person like I do all the time but I'm not accept it right and then a corollary I think this is related and this I think applies to a lot of young women is don't let head and hating the way you look ruin your life and if you can't learn to love the way you look which I never have then don't think about it. Stop counting calories and don't put up mirrors. Don't let it bug you. It's pointless. Okay. <laughs> Number three, which I did not know, is try to be part of a community. And if you don't know, if you don't have one, I think one way is to take a class or in my case, do a show and ideally find yourself a community of women. I do think they will support you and lift you up. And ultimately, I think your girlfriends are maybe even more important than your partner or your kids. Um, another thing I would say, and this is just because of how it happened for me, is if there's start, if there's something you want to do, even if you don't have a lot of time, start doing it. Because you are building 
the thing you'll be able to do when your kids leave. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but by doing that middle school show, I wound up having something that turned into my life. And there are so many women, right, who they retire and or their kids leave, whatever it is. They finally have time, but they haven't, they don't know what the thing is. So I would say start. And again, you know, I started writing for the stupid middle school show and I just recorded an album with Broadway people, right? So you just don't know, right, where it's going to go. Another thing I would say is, which I did not do when I was under 50, is very common knowledge, which is cultivate gratitude. And I would say you get extra points if your gratitude is for a non-human living being. So I would say thank you to the trees and recognize them and the sun and the breeze have names for your plants and say hello. I think we are not the only thing and we should recognize and appreciate all these other spirits that support us.
So anyway, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. If you want to hear more from some amazing women who are over 50, who are kicking ass and making an impact, then don't forget to follow us right here on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember to subscribe, rate, comment and share with other women through your social media. Let's spread the word across the world that you don't have to be invisible after 50. Check out our other services on www.you'renotinvisibleafter50.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok and YouTube. And always remember that life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. But wait, we have even more to offer. Join us and tune in to our other podcast, Shamelessly Untamed, a transformative series that encourages you to embrace your true self and celebrate your uniqueness. Make sure to subscribe to Shamelessly Untamed podcast on other podcasts or Spotify. Don't forget to rate, comment and share with anyone who can benefit from its content. Explore our additional services at www.roaringahead.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok and YouTube. We look forward to you connecting with us. Thank you.